Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Graham Stroud. Graham is a musician and writer, and has written on websites and blogs on a number of subjects, both musical and non-musical, for several years. He's also performed interviews and written feature articles, gig reviews and album reviews for the rock website Velvet Thunder. His first book, Status Quo, Song by Song, was published in 2017, and he's just released his new book, Thin Lizzy, one of my favourite bands, actually. I thought I'd get that in. Every album, every song. Hello and welcome to the show, Graham. Hello, Bob. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. That's good. Now, uh, this is, I, th- I think this is slightly different, this one, because I'm interviewing somebody who usually does a lot of interviews, aren't I? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I have done for the last oh, six, seven years. I've interviewed a lot of people. Have you? Right. I'll better be on best behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we talk about your latest book about Thin Lizzy and your career, could you just tell us a little bit about your journey and how you, how you became an author, please? Yes, it was one of those things that happened accidentally, as some of, so many of these things do. Um, I uh, I wasn't a writer at all, uh, other than the fact that I do have an enjoyment of the written word, as it were. I, I read a lot, and uh, I'm the main procedure writer at, at work in my day job. But um, you mentioned that I'm a musician, and that's how it started, because I recorded an album of instrumental music under the name Chalk Hill Blue oh, back right. in 2013. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was the first time I'd ever recorded an album of music, and in uh, a kind of optimistic haze, I sent a few copies out to various magazines in the hope that they would review it. And the only people who did review it was the aforementioned Rock Society magazine. And uh, in a kind of pathetic show of gratitude, I <laughs> immediately friended them on Facebook. Uh, as it happens, they were going through a little bit of a, a kind of upheaval with the, the staff, I think. And their new features editor sent a, a broadcast out on Facebook literally a couple of weeks later saying, anybody fancy um, giving a, a go at writing for us? And I, It had never occurred to me to do anything of the kind. But uh, he said, well, it's not going to pay your mortgage, but you get to speak to some pretty cool rock stars and you may get some free CDs out of it. So I'm thinking, well, it would be rude not to. Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah. So um, I I replied to the appeal and um, had a bit of an email chat with uh, the features editor. And he said, well, you're in luck. We've got Bernie Marston coming up this month. How do you fancy it? (laughs) I'm like, what? You know, you guys don't know me. And you're letting me loose on Bernie Marsden? Yes, please. Um, and that was in 2014, I think. And uh, since then, I, I became an interviewer and a reviewer for Rock Society. Um, and one of the guys that was involved with the magazine was involved also with a, a publisher who was putting out a, a set of song-by-song guides to various bands, and he asked me if I'd be interested in writing one. I'd never written a book before. Uh, But I said, well, I'll have a go at status quo. He said, go for it. So I did, and that was how I became a published author, kind of just by blundering my way into it. That's that's an interesting story. You start off writing an album, 
uh, and you end up becoming a, a writer. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, so you're obviously very creative. That's very nice of you to say so. I shall. It would be presumptuous of me to say. Other than that, I do like making music, and I do like writing. I enjoy these things, and uh, that's why I do them. And when you make your music, uh, you, you mentioned that it was an album that you did yourself. So is that yourself playing every instrument? Uh, well, um, that came about because uh, <clears throat> I got hold of uh, quite a nice electric piano yeah. that had a 16-track sequencer on it, which means you could overdub tracks. Uh, and so I, I wrote an album of keyboard music. It's not rock, not in any way that you would recognize. Uh, it's a bit proggy, a bit... Uh, poppy a bit this and a bit that a bit folky and a bit everything um and it was only really when i i downloaded the tracks from the piano that i even thought about putting guitar on it so i i put a few bits of guitar on so yes it's me playing every instrument but almost every instrument was the keyboards uh and uh, i've done a second album since which has a lot more guitar on and is yeah. uh, a lot more kind of focused if you like but uh, I've been playing the guitar since I was, what, 12, 13, and I'm in my 50s now, so me and the guitar go back a long way. Yeah. Yeah, I too play the guitar, and I, I've been playing. We're, we're very similar ages, although I'm, I'm probably on the upper. I'm probably your age plus, plus a bit of VAT on top. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've play, I played the guitar since I was 13. Right. And um, I, I saw my, well, not my first band, but, but I think it was about the third band I ever saw were Thin Lizzy at the winning post in Twickenham in wow. 1975. I know it was fantastic. Anyway, enough about me. Back to you. So um, you you wrote the book about Thin Lizzy. Well, sorry, no, you wrote the book about status quo first. Yes. I'm assuming that you, you were a bit of a status quo fan. Oh, yes, yes. That was actually probably my first big gig up at the Wembley Arena when I was 15. Yeah. Um, it was Quo on the uh, uh, If You Can't Stand the Heat Tour, I think it was. Um. Yes, so uh, that was my, my first choice because I thought probably I knew more about them than any other band. Um, but my next choice after that was Thin Lizzy. And I didn't go straight into the uh, second book because the first book took quite a lot out of me, really, and yeah, it I took bet. a lot I of bet. time to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, it wasn't until sometime later that the Thin Lizzy book came about. Yeah. So you're obviously a big Lizzie fan. Oh, yeah. Um, there have been a number of books over the years about Thin Lizzie. What makes this one different? Well, it's uh, it doesn't claim to be anything like a comprehensive biography of the band. It doesn't go into the backstory too deeply. Um, it's a paperback, a couple of hundred pages long. It's not massive. But what it does attempt to do is to cover every song that they've recorded through official channels, every song, all the uh, all the albums, of course, all the singles, all the B-sides. It does delve quite a lot into bootlegs and stuff as well. Again, it's not the first book to attempt that, but uh, this one was uh, to be part of a series called On Track, uh, which is published by the Sonic Bond organization. Uh, and uh, they were missing a Thin Lizzy one, and I thought, well, I'm that's uh, that's my space. I want that you're, one. You're the you're the guy, <laughs> and and you yeah, and it sounds like you've got a very fresh approach to looking at these tracks. I mean, there must be um, hundreds of tracks, or or is it a couple of hundred? I don't know. 
Well, I can't claim to have counted them. Actually, do you know what? I think I did count them. I can't remember what it came out to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, in addition to the albums, there have been a, a lot of extra singles and such as well, yeah. And and when you when you talk about each track, just for the, just for the idea of listeners, what 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 do you tell people? Do you tell people about the history of of how the track was written? If I could find anything out about the history and the circumstances under which it was written, then I included it. Yes. If there were any references in the song to anything outside of the band, like a historical events or um, family members, because Phil Liner was very keen on name checking people. Actually, there's especially in the early stuff. A lot of his uh, family members were mentioned by name in his songs. So I dug out as much information as I could about them. So if I could find any background or any information of that nature, then I would include it. In in addition to that, there's generally uh, a description of the song, what kind of vibe it has, if there's any interesting musical um, uh, sections to it, because as a musician, you know, that's kind of the thing that sticks out at you sometimes. Uh, and other than that, it's just my opinion. Go yeah. for it. I'll say what yeah. I think about the song. And do you have what are your f- favourite Thin Lizzy tracks? I mean, there's so much to choose from, isn't there? Because Thin, yeah. Thin Lizzy, you know, they started off as a three-piece um, guitar-orientated trio, and then yeah. became a four-piece twin harmony guitar trio, etc. And then they ended up with this sort of, um, I guess, more slightly metal with a keyboard and, and yeah. quite heavy guitar, didn't they? Towards the end, which is probably my least favourite part of them. Yes. Um, I think I preferred them in probably about 74 till about 78. Right. So, uh, yeah, up to Alive and Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and possibly possibly Black Rose afterwards. Was it? Yeah, sure. Um, to me, the whole thing starts with Alive and Dangerous. That's what it's all about to me. That's the album that got me into Lizzie in the first place. Um, and it's not really typical of their output because it's much heavier much more uh, straight-ahead hard rock than any of the stuff that had gone before. Uh, so it is the live album that, that got me into it. And every track on there is a winner as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and then leading off from there, you hear the original versions of those songs. And then, of course, you pick up on other songs that weren't included in that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically anything that's on Live and Dangerous is fine by me. It's a it's a great double album, isn't it? Oh, yeah. One of the um, – and th- there's an old story. I don't know how true it is. An old story that it – although it was live and live and dangerous, um, there was some overdubbing done afterwards. How, how much truth is there in that? Well, that is very difficult to get to the bottom of, actually, because um, Tony Visconti, who produced it, said that it was massively overdubbed. Um, Brian Robertson, who played on it, said apart from the usual fixes and tweaks, there was no overdubbing. Um, Brian Downey, the drummer, um, famously refused to do any edition, so the drumming is exactly as per, as far as we know. Um, How much truth there is in uh, Visconti's claims that it's open to interpretation. I think it's pretty fairly uh, established that um, Phil himself did some uh, quite a lot of fixes and there was some f- massive amounts of editing and interleaving of tracks. It sounds like one long gig, the way it's uh, 
the tracks fade into each other and such like is just superb. But there's some fantastic stories of crowd noises being picked up from one track and, and dropped into another track. And one of the songs, uh, Southbound, wasn't even played live. It was a, a soundtrack. Oh, is that right? Yeah, this is, again, pretty fairly uh, established that uh, they recorded it at the soundtrack. Uh, sorry, they did play it live, but uh, they didn't use the version that they played live. They basically cut the band out, left the crowd there as much as they could, and dropped the soundtrack nice. in on top of the crowd. Uh, which, But it's so well done, you know, it's yeah. masterfully done. Uh, you never know it. No, you wouldn't know it. And in fact, uh, I love the version of Southbound on that album. It sounds like the rest of the songs, you know, the same yeah. sound, the same uh, ambience in the room. It's brilliant. It's a great sound. When you get those two guitars together, there's nothing like it, is there? <laughs> Absolutely. So in terms of the um, research that you did for, for the songs and, and the book, did you get to speak to any of the former members at all? Yes, I did. Um I was fortunate enough to speak to Brian Downey and um, that took me by surprise, just how willing he was to do it and how friendly he was about it. Have you seen Brian Downey's Alive and Dangerous? <laughs> oh, have I ever. Oh, yeah. They're great, aren't they? Absolutely brilliant. I I saw them um, a blues club in London about two and a half years ago. I can't remember the name of the club. But it'll Nils be Jazz and Blues, that would be. That's it. Were you yeah, there as well? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Singing along down the front. Yeah, yeah. What a great what a great gig that was. Oh yeah. I, I do you know what? I honestly don't think I've ever enjoyed a gig more than that. Oh, it was it took me back to the original days when, when they played small venues. Yeah. Yeah, it would do. Because yeah. it's like a tribute band, but you've got a real Brian. Well, <laughs> It is. And and I have to say, um, for me, you know, that period of Thin Lizzy, was, for me, was the best. Yeah. Other people prefer different parts of it. But, sure. But uh, no, it was it was just like going to see Thin Lizzy, frankly. Took, took me back 30, 40 years, whatever it was. Right. So when did you first realise, well, obviously you mentioned about wanting to be a writer, or you didn't intend to be a writer. You got you got um, sort of invited to become a writer. How, how have you found being a writer since then? Have you done other stuff as well? Have you th- thought about writing any fiction or anything? No. Um I, I I find that I don't really have the imagination for it. <laughs> um, I'm, my forte is in uh, collating facts and putting them down in logical order. And, uh, you know, I flatter myself that I'm actually quite good at that. Um, as I say, I've, I've, in my day job, I do a lot of procedure writing and stuff where you have to take technical subjects and make them accessible yes. for, for people. Um, and, uh, and I love the whole business about the research. Um, and I have found interviewing people involved with music to be surprisingly trouble-free. You, you know, you think there'd be egos there that people would not want to speak to you. They've been doing interviews all day. They give you the brush off and be a bit huffy about things. And in all the people that I've spoken to, I've never had one occasion like that um well, that's, that's that's wonderful isn't it yeah it is it so, really so is. when you so when you speak to the uh in quotes rock stars um do you, do you actually go to see them in person or is it done remotely it's almost always done remotely there are sometimes occasions where you can do a face-to-face but sometimes the traveling involved is just you know not worth it um i interviewed robin ford face-to-face 
Uh, I've interviewed some people at um, festivals, Biff Byford from Saxon, uh, members of Monster Truck and uh, various other bands. And it is great speaking to people face-to-face, but I kind of like being able to organise things and get things set out and sitting in my own chair and uh, doing it on the phone. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. No, it sounds good. So when, when you actually do the writing, when you, you, so you, get all, you do all the research mm-hmm. and then you have to assemble it. In terms of the writing process, how do you do it? What's your approach? Do you do it every day? Do you have a certain number of words? How, how does it work? Uh, are we talking about the um, journalism aspect here or the book writing or both? Uh, well, you can talk about both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as far as the uh, journalism is concerned, I record the interview and then I have to transcribe it. And I transcribe it as accurately as I can before I even start chopping it and moving it around into logical order. And it's the transcribing that takes the time. That is a bit of a bind. I'm not quick enough of a typist to be able to do it, you know, as as they're speaking. I have to keep stopping and starting. You know technology can help you there, don't you? I do know about technology, but uh, (laughs) I can't find any. (laughs) I can't find any that that works. Um, Maybe you can help me with that. Well, after this interview, um, I will send you a link to something that I've used before. And, right. Uh, it, may, it may or may not help you, but it certainly save you some time if it does. Oh, that would be absolutely superb. It would be like a new lease of life. But anyway, um, yeah, so then having got the conversation transcribed, it's, uh, it's a nice, interesting process to chop it in and out and bring it into a, a kind of logical format. Um, and... As far as the, um, the the book is concerned, it's a pretty similar thing. I didn't have to transcribe anything apart from the Brian Downey interview. But, um, you know, you get bits from all over the place. Uh, you get bits online, things people tell you, uh, other sources, and um, make a lot of notes. And then it's a case of chopping it all together into something that looks reasonable. And it's an ongoing process as well because you might do a pretty decent write-up on one particular song, but then over the course of the next couple of weeks, because you've got your mind in that particular place, you find out several other things or you find out things that contradicted what you wrote down. So you're editing it as you're going along. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a constant uh, editing process all the way through. Uh, even till probably after I submitted it for publication, I'm still looking at bits and thinking, God, you know, <laughs> there's something else I could have put in there, but yeah. still. And do you do you do this writing work every day? No. Because obviously uh, you've got a day job. Yeah, I, I have a day job and I have a family. Uh, yeah. I have uh, responsibilities and it, it has to fit around that. Um much as I love it and important as I find it, uh, I still have to treat it as a, a hobby, as um, something that I do for the love of it. Uh, so I do it whenever I can. Um, and sometimes I go for a week and write you know, as much as I could several days in a row. Sometimes I, I went for several weeks and never touched the keyboard at all. And that uh, stressed me out a little bit because you know, the clock's always ticking and you think I'm never going to finish this. And uh, there were several occasions when I thought I can't see how I'm ever going to get to the end of it. But uh, there it is. It's done. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading it, Graham, I have to say. <laughs> Thanks. Good. 
So have you got any current projects you look, you're looking at at the moment? Uh, not in terms of writing another book, no. Uh, I think, again, um, it's going to be – uh, I, I need a rest from that, yeah. I uh, I do have um, some interviews lined up and some albums I'm reviewing at the moment. Um, I've got uh, an interview lined up with members of uh, Fraternity, which yeah. is an Australian band which whose main claim to fame is that Bon Scott sang for them before he joined ACDC. Oh, really? Yeah, so that would be an interesting uh, conversation there. But that will be an interview for the website and uh, a couple of albums I've been sent through the post, which uh, I'm looking forward to listening and reviewing as well. So that will all be up on velvetthunder.co.uk. Well, what what we'll do, um, Graham, we'll put all those links within the show notes so that uh, if listeners want to find out a bit more about what you do, they can they can do that. Ideal. Um, that's excellent stuff. Um, what would you like? One of the last questions I'd like to ask you is: it, it sounds like you've got quite an exciting hobby here. So, if if anybody's listening who fancies doing something similar, what what would you what advice would you give them? No hesitation, man. Just do it. Just go for it. Just go for it. I mean, what have you got to lose? If you write something and uh, and you're not happy with it, you don't submit it to anyone. If you start writing it and you find you haven't got the time or the interest or it's not as easy as you thought, then you stop. You know, But if you've got any thoughts about anything, any outline for a story, for a fiction story, an idea for a book or any opinions or anything and you want to write them down, what's stopping you? Just go for it. That's great. That's, that's wonderful advice there, Graham. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> and... Um... One last question. I did say that was the last one. One more last one. What on, on your writing career? What are you most proud of? Oh, and that's a tricky one. Uh, and I honestly don't have an answer. I mean, I'm very proud of the books. I suppose yeah. it has to be um, because of the sheer scale of the thing. Uh, when you you interview someone, and I've interviewed some wonderful people. Uh, it's it's a two-week project. You interview it, you transcribe it, you write it, you post it, it's done. But the book, both books, I think, took me about a year each. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to have finished it and got it published, you know, even if nobody reads it, it's out there, and I did it. And you uh, must get a sense, sense of a purpose and achievement for that. Yeah, and somebody... Um, in reviewing my status quo book said uh, anyone could have written this any decent fan with a decent knowledge could have written this and i'm thinking yeah you're dead right anyone could have written this so i did yeah Yeah. (laughs) some of them have most of them haven't yeah and i did and i'm really happy about that and i'm happy that my family got behind it you know and they were pleased for me to do it it's great i have to say it's been great having you on graham Thanks, Bob. I've really enjoyed it. We'll put all the uh, the notes that you mentioned earlier on, all the, all the links, and also where people can find the book as well. So thanks okay. ever so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. 
If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best.